0: It's 2022, which marks 40 years since the release of Madonna's very first single, Everybody, in 1982. Last August, it was announced that her albums would be re-released with new versions curated by Madonna herself. What does that mean? Well, here on Inside the Groove, we're working through each of her albums one by one to tell the story of how they were recorded, written and produced, along with the iconic photography and graphic design. Madame X is Madonna's 14th and most recent studio album, released 14th of June 2019 and famously inspired by the music Madonna was experiencing on her relocation to Portugal. The record was made with a selection of producers, including Miwes, the French musician who Madonna had first worked with on the music album back in 2000. The record is considered by many to be a concept album, with its theme being how the protagonist, portrayed by Madonna, is in many ways a representation of all womankind, whether they be and these are her words, a dancer, a professor, a head of state, a housekeeper, an equestrian, a prisoner, a student, a mother, a child, a teacher, a nun, a singer, a saint, a whore, a spy in the house of love. Consisting of three main genres, Latin music, trap music, and art pop, the album is held together by Madonna's distinctive melodies and vocals, albeit with a generous use of auto-tune. Its title comes from the name given to Madonna by the dancer Martha Graham who, when the singer was 19, apparently declared, I'm going to give you a new name, Madame X. Every day you come to school and I don't recognise you. Every day you change your identity. You're a mystery to me. Madonna moved to Portugal in 2017 when her son David joined a top football academy. Initially lonely, she embraced the feeling of getting to know a new culture, much as she had done when she moved to New York in the summer of 1977. Critically, the album generally fared well, receiving four-star reviews from Slant, The Times, The Guardian and NME. The album reached number one in Argentina, the US and Portugal, though with sales only certified at 300,000, it's not the commercial success that Madonna had previously enjoyed. The album was launched with the single Medellin, a duet with Colombian singer Maluma. It only reached number 87 in the charts, but figures aside, Madame X has been highly popular with many of the singer's fans, with some putting it as their very favourite of her albums. Additionally, it did of course spawn the Madame X tour, a much more intimate live experience where Madonna performed in theatres rather than stadiums and arenas, and connected to the audience without mobile phones and other distractions. We'll be discussing the album's production, the photography, the videos, and the artwork, and I'll be paying particular attention to the record's lead single. So, for now, sit back, relax, slow down, puppy, as we go inside the
1: group. Thank
0: Last nine months inside the groove has told the story of Madonna's albums. As you know, I've been enjoyed by industry experts and Madonna fans to detail stories about the music and the design of Madonna's releases. And we're now at the point of her most recent studio album, Even As You Listen. However, Madonna has released the first installment of a new compilation called Finally Enough Love. With a full 50 track release to follow in August, don't worry, we'll be back to cover that. But this is the final chance for Lucy O'Brien, the wonderful author of the even more wonderful Madonna biography like an icon to remind us where madonna was at this point in her life lucy Madame X, we spoke briefly earlier but for you it's all about the tour yeah
1: i was really delighted with Madame X and i was i was really pleased to be able to see madonna at the london palladium because it's it's actually a really nice old theatre and it's small enough that you're, you're quite close up and and what was also nice about that show was halfway through, she, she said, oh, can someone give me a chair? I need to sit down. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, you know, because at that point she'd been having a lot of trouble with her knees and she's endured a lot of criticism in the last 10 years for trying to be young or, or yet. Yeah. Sort of being over sexual, or you know, people can't, mm. can't they have difficulty with the way that she or being very judgmental about the way she's choosing to age. But I think with that show, she it was like she she moved through into another phase in that she was she seemed much more comfortable in herself, much more comfortable about who she is. And she'd been living in Lisbon for a while and probably leading up more of a laid-back life there. And it shows in the music, there's a lovely organic feel to the music. Um, and I love the way she brings in different global pop influences there. That sort of Portuguese Fado and the Moroccan influences. You know, it works really nicely.
0: I'd like to sort of top, or sort of tail rather, this interview uh, by asking you, actually, as a woman who's worked in the music industry for a very long time, who has worked with, and, and has written and talked about a number of very strong female artists, and that whole thing about age. I'm sure it's possibly something you personally experienced as well. Madonna is fighting against that, and perhaps in not the way that some people expect her to. We hear this phrase all the time about growing old gracefully, but I don't know exactly what that means. I mean, I'd, I'd just like to get your thoughts on on, on how she's dealing with um, being in the position she is in the age she, at the age she is, etc.
1: Gosh, it's hard, isn't it? It's so hard. You know, I think because the themes that she was in exploring from day one were always about sexual freedom and sexual empowerment. And I think, that, I think that gets increasingly harder as you age as a woman because there's so many expectations about what an older woman needs to do. Like an older woman needs to, as you say, be graceful and retire gently, you know, go gently into the sunset. And you just know that Madonna would never do that. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I quite like the way she just sort of carries on. She just carries on doing exactly what she wants to do. And sometimes, and she's extremely willful with it but I kind of realize now certainly after seeing that show at the Palladium I thought yes of course so that's what you do you you, you're never going to back down and you're not never going to seek approval and that's the point and and I think that's why we love what she does and who she is and there'll be times when it doesn't work but what I always admire about her is that every time she goes through disappointment or she fails at something or she falls down steps somewhere she gets up again you know and and it that in itself is inspiring isn't it
0: it is indeed thank you so much lucy for your insights throughout the series and i'll be speaking to you again i'll be seeing you again at our live event in december back to medellin In February 2019, Colombian singer Maluma posted a picture to his Instagram page showing him in the studio with Madonna. In a later interview for Entertainment Weekly, Maluma said, Madonna and I are cooking there together, making some beautiful songs. I'm very excited. That's a huge step for my culture, for Latin culture. It's very, very big. On April 15th, Madonna revealed the title of the Madame X album via her Instagram, posting nine pictures to make up a giant X. She then revealed the title of the lead single with a picture of her next to him in a wedding dress. Well, who can blame her? We later discovered that this was a still from the video. The track was first heard a couple of days later still in an exclusive interview between Madonna and Zane Lowe on Beats One Radio. She said that she had decided to work with Maluma, who she discovered had a love of horses just as she does. And she later told Billboard that Maluma is one of the most easygoing, open, warm and generous people. He doesn't leave the studio until the work is done. He has a great work ethic. I adore him. Nothing but great things to say about him. The song is one of six songs on the album co-produced with Mewase. Known for a more disco electro sound, indeed, he would also produce the songs God Control and I Don't Search, I Find. Managing can be described as reggaeton, but how had Madonna come to be reunited with the producer who had last worked on a few tracks for the Confessions on a dance floor album back in 2005? Well, speaking to The Guardian in 2020, Mierwais shared a little light on his original decision to move away from Madonna. He says, I was supposed to do a big part of Confessions, but I had to leave. I ended up doing two tracks, but I was meant to do about five or six. Now, he doesn't explain exactly why he quit the project, but it's been hinted that he was burned out after producing so many great tracks for the singer. To be honest with you, he said, if it had been today, I wouldn't have left. I had some issues to resolve. As for Madonna, well, having moved to Portugal, she sought to find out more about the local music scene and had always been a fan of Fado music. Eventually, she was invited to a living room session where musicians and creative souls were there simply for music. And that's where she met Dino de Santiago. Eventually, he introduced her to everyone on the scene. At this point, Madonna felt she needed to take what she was hearing and turn it upside down. She decided to film the music, and she took some of these clips and sent them to Mierwais. She said to him, I know this is crazy, but tell me if it inspires you. Let's chop up the guitar sounds and give it some modern-sounding drums. Within a week, he sent her back some music, and it was amazing. And Madonna says this made her super inspired. At this point, she realised that while she was happy to be in Portugal for David's music career, this is why she was truly there. In an interview for the News of Madonna website, Mirwais gave a bit more insight into how the album was recorded. His singular takeaway from the experience is just how much artistic freedom Madonna allows him. He says, Madonna is a person who really inspires people. At the demo stage, there's no artistic limit, which is fine with me as I don't like to impose limits on myself either. Once the song's been written, there can be a fairly long production process and arrangements with exchanges backwards and forwards with her to find the final form that the song is going to take. Even at this stage, the craziest ideas can still be added. He also, in this interview, addresses the use of autotune on the album, in particular the criticism or the suggestion that it is used because Madonna can't sing. He says, it's an aesthetic choice. Listen to Extreme Occident. Her voice transcends naturally. Nobody bothers Kanye West or Travis Scott about Autotune because it's their choice. Sometimes we talk about it, whether to use it or not, but she's the one who decides it's her record. After the leaks, which dominated the Rebel Heart era, much tighter controls were put on Madonna's creative assets. Indeed, nothing's leaked from this period, no demos, no multitracks, other than the planned release of the Crave stems. So it's much harder to build up an idea of how a song like Medellin was created. Indeed, although Madonna and Maluma were pictured in the studio in February, there's no reason to suppose that their collaborations weren't recorded long before then. The songwriting credits for the song include Madonna, Miwes, Maluma under his real name, Jean-Louis Londono, and I apologise if I've pronounced that wrongly, and also Edgar Barrera, a.k.a. Edge, a Mexican songwriter and producer who is also responsible for a number of huge hits by artists such as Shakira and Ariana Grande, as well as other works by Maluma. Edge has also won 18 Latin Grammys, including Producer of the Year in 2021, so it's even a possibility that he presented the song Medellín to Madonna Maluma and Mirways for them to add their own ideas to it. Have a listen to the a cappella of Madonna and Maluma singing it.
1: I took a sip and had a dream, and I woke up in Medellin. The sun was caressing my skin. Another me could now begin.
0: Of course, huge chunks of the song are sung in Spanish. Have a listen to this section. Well, according to NME, the translation for this section, and I'm sure it's wrong, is You'll fall for me if I fall for you in less than a year. No, no. Ha ha ha. We're going, we're going to Madeo. Oh, how sweet. You'll fall for me if I fall for you. It's what I love. No, then, Mammy, 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 we'll get married. I'm sure I'm going to hear from you if that is wrong. I mentioned that Medellin wasn't a hit in the UK Far from it But the song was hugely popular in Latin America And Madame X contained another Maluma collaboration Bitch I'm Loka While Maluma went on to include a further Madonna track On his album 1111 Called "Soltera," Which means single And this is what that song sounds like Produced by Mike Deem, who was also responsible for other tracks on Madame X, the track wouldn't get a single release, but Madonna and Maluma continued to work together, even post-pandemic, if we can say we're there yet. The pair appeared together on the cover of Rolling Stone in 2021 in a brilliant series of images, and in April of 2022, Madonna would fly to the city of Medellin to perform that song with Maluma at his own concert along with her song Music. This was Madonna's first performance in an arena for many years, and possibly not her most polished, but the audience loved it, as you might imagine. So I'm joined now by fashion photographer Jonathan Daniel Price and art director Peter Falloon, and we're going to discuss the artwork for Madame X. Jonathan, I'll come to you first to tell us all about that photography.
2: Well, here we are once again with Madonna collaborating with an old friend. We have Stephen Klein photographing the artwork here and as with some of the previous collaborations like ecstatic process for example i really feel like this shows the pairing of equal artists with a story to tell Stephen also shot campaigns like h m in the mid-2000s and the confessions album and of course for context the controversial v magazine cover story that was released last year in 2021 which i'm going to go into a little bit in further reading because it does have a purpose but i will go straight into the artwork for this album so it's high in concept you know as we know madonna experiments with a lot of different looks and plays with a wide a wide range of personas and i read in a review at the time i remember it saying that the music was like a love letter to multiculturalism taking influences from different musical genres and i feel like this can really be clearly portrayed in the visuals as well I feel like it both attempts to capture the essence of world culture and also all of the different roles that Madonna inhabits. So of course, we know she is a secret agent, Madame X is a dancer, an equestrian, a mother, a whore, all these other things that she had listed. And that's reflected through the whole campaign imagery. To talk about the artwork itself, we have to also acknowledge that there were six formats released on this with three different covers. So we have two of very close crops of Madonna's face and one which was the double deluxe CD where it's a frame taken with the setup of her holding a guitar against those Portuguese blue tiles. And on the back, we have a standard image. So it's the black leather gloves and the vintage typewriter. This photo shoot with Stephen Klein was produced on the 18th of January, 2019. And the team was exported to Lisbon, Portugal, of course, where Madonna was taking her primary residence at the time. And all of these images were used across quite a long campaign because it obviously landed for her tour, the booklet, and a lot of the promotion around the time as well. I feel like with these photos, there is a real painterly quality to the images. You know, They're highly stylized. It's in a way akin to the post-production that was done on music, I think, in the way that the skin sort of looks intentionally flat quite high contrast, very grainy. It's almost illustrative in the way that it's shot. And I think you can really see that most in the deluxe single CD of the album, where she's got the blonde hair with a Tom Ford head wrap and the plaits. That is a crop of a much larger image. It's actually a full length shot. You can see that in the interior of some of the artwork. And so it's quite grainy. And you really get this kind of uh, you know painter feel, painted feel, like I said earlier. the fashion, as always with Madonna, is quite important. So I felt it would be important to, to sort of outline some of these fashion looks that we see as characters in each of the album interiors. We've got some specific references here, obviously like hair and styling is important to create the character. And so Madonna worked again with Ariane Phillips. So we've mentioned so many times on the podcast so far and a new collaborator, Job Johannes, who also styled some of the shots. Some of the strongest images from this campaign, I think, are buried inside, especially if you look at the booklet for the double CD special edition. For example, I love the images of Madonna in a mini dress and a hood. It was designed by Yulana Sergerko, which was bespoke. It was created in Moscow and Madonna directed the designer to create what she wanted. As with many of the visual stories in the album, there's a reference to art. And we know, we've discussed, Madonna loves to collect art and it's so much a part of her life. And this look and photograph also is a direct reference to a painting by Michael Borremans in 2011 called The Lone. He's a Belgian painter. And another favorite of mine is Madonna in the Victoria-inspired powder blue Erdem dress. It's ruffles and she's got that, the double pleated hair with a headband. And of course, in terms of stylized photography, two items that are indeterminable from the campaign imagery are firstly, the less obvious one, which is those red leather opera length gloves, which were the single cover of Medellin. They're designed by Carolina Amato. And, you know, as a photograph, it's so strong. That red is so bold against her white skin. And then, secondly, which is an element which is also, of course, so akin to this whole campaign the infamous eye patch, the one used in a lot of the photographs for this artwork, because obviously she had various versions, were black latex, and they were designed by Atsuko Kudo. Finally, I would like to mention another image. I mean, there are so many, but one one I think that's important because it stands out a lot from all the rest of the images is the shot that was used as the centerfold for the double vinyl, and it's Madonna's hands covering a pantless crotch with that sneaky suggestion of a, cashmere sweater, which is in fact by Prada. And this image I feel is designed for controversy. You know, it's bold, sort of linear in its intention and heavily features these bejeweled fingers and other than it standing out amongst other images, it's also got a nice bit of trivia, which is that the rings are custom made by Neil Lane. And that M ring was actually first seen in the Sorry music video alongside the E that he created for her. And he made a new ring for this campaign, which is the X to sit
0: alongside. Wow. I, I'm always mesmerized by the research you do, but this time you have surpassed yourself with all the details about the fashion as well. I mean, as a fashion photographer, fashion is probably as much of a love for you as it is photography. Do you, do you know this stuff off by heart? I'm, I'm really keen to know, seeing as this is the final one we do, how mm. much, how deep you go with your research? Cause I'm, I have a feeling you, you just know a lot of these things already. So some, I know some, I don't of course. So when I was doing
2: fashion weeks a lot, so I shot the, the main seasons, New York, London, Milan, Paris for about 10 years. And so when you're a part of that, even though you're not necessarily seeing the shows, I'm not standing inside the show you're part of the discussion of a certain look that was a big moment or a piece that was discussed a lot. And so it is in my mind because you're right there when the designer showing it and when the press is coming out around it. And yeah, I mean, fashion is so integral f- to photography in the same way that set design is. And of course, set design is important here because mm-hmm. there are some beautiful setups, you know, this Portuguese one I mentioned with the tiles and the setup with her, which is a magazine cover and that sort of Perusian rug sort of look so there's so many elements and then i guess also you know even here as she's playing characters dance is really important so that wide shot of her with the blonde hair is sort of a nod to the martha graham storyline her connection to her teacher and and all that stuff so so yeah that was a roundabout way of answering your question but some (laughs) of it is in my head and i feel it is your job as an image maker to have reference points across different
0: okay peter so let's come to you um the art direction. I mean, this is really interesting. Often we talk about the typeface or, or, or just a simple layout, but this is more than any other album. This is where this really blends into the photo in many different ways. And I think more since possibly erotica that the, the art direction has been just as important as the photography itself. What are your thoughts?
3: I do agree, but I I found it confusing. Whereas like you, you're right to point out erotica, there was like a cohesion and that it ran through. The thing that I always found disorientating about the whole campaign was no theme is explored fully. So it's like each album cover has a different visual metaphor or a visual language. So I'm the most drawn to the, I, I sort of describe it as Caravaggio, the blonde hair. And she's sort of reminiscent of the lay male orphan. I I like the image, but the thing that I think brings it together is the tension with the very bold type. So for me, those two play off each other really well. I think the less strong one is the brunette Madonna, where she's referencing her mother, Frida Kahlo. And then we're back to using Time's New Roman again for the header. I think we're sort of filling in a little bit of an eyebrow to... Harden the reference, which I'm not keen on to either do one or the other. And then the Madame X, where it's stitched across the lip, it's a really, really beautiful technique. And I understand the reference. We're going back to Oh Father and understanding that moment that she saw her mother. When it's used in context, I think it really, really works, but there are times where she separated it out and it became a graphic in its own right. And it's, it's got no weight to it. It's very spidery and hand drawn. And then they tried mixing the pride flag into it for another subsection of the campaign. So it just, it seemed so disjointed. The thing that I'm the most drawn to is the really clever MX amalgamation. To me, that was, it, it wasn't used as much as I felt it should be. To me, that was the most sure and confident Mark that could have seen the whole campaign through. Um, to me, that, I feel as if it would be on the outside of a salon in Portugal, it felt like it had the gravitas and that it, it centered where this whole concept came from. But then you had another offshoot with the whole typewriter and her being a narrator of her own story and that, that fed into, I think every video and every storyline and every sort of bit of promo that she did. It was almost became like a, another element that caused a bit of confusion. <laughs> the final one, which actually, if you go back to where it all began, she launched with that secret X. Mm-hmm. So when we didn't really know what things were, the Instagram nine grid that she put up was, was this X. I know she was Madame X, but it was almost like a standalone graphic that launched the campaign and then it sort of got dropped and then interwoven back in again. So for me, for like an art director that likes order, cohesion, I'm... I'm drawn to some elements of it, but I have to be honest, the two album covers, I wouldn't even think they were for the same album. They conjure up two completely different visuals. Mm. So the, the chunky type of the Madame X on the blonde Madonna one, I see the mere destruction, the little glitch in the type. It makes me go, oh yeah, I understand the direction. It's like classical, this beautiful classical image that could almost be like an oil painting, juxtaposed with Miroir doing his thing to whatever Madonna's portrait is. And then the other album cover, I'm going back to like, oh, father and that I'm going to get something much more Patrick Leonard. So I don't feel that you can put those two albums next to each other and go, they represent the music. It, it to me, it's a bit scattergun. So my favorite is the the Boulder type one. And I think the image is a, a, a better representation of the type of music that's on the album. There's a lot to look at, but I just don't think it's been uh, I suppose channeled in the right ways, and then once you get into like the single covers and things, there's a little bit more cohesion. But it's still bitty, and so it's 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 there's some genius in there, and it what again, it was Giovanni, Giovanni Bianco i think he had a really really busy year
2: what i truly loved about this project is that madonna was not chasing the zeitgeist she was doing whatever she wanted to do Mm -hmm. and i feel in her strongest moments the moments that i admire the most is someone who is taking their own path and just reflecting a truthful life journey Mm -hmm. i struggled with something like mdna because lyrically i didn't hear a truth of her situation. So I didn't listen to this and think, "Oh, Madonna's really going through that in some of the songs." Obviously a lot of it was reflective of someone going through a divorce. So what I was excited about with this record was a woman living in Portugal, a woman exploring being the age that she was, similar to what she did somewhat in Rebel Heart, reflecting on what a great career, you know, referencing some of her past. In that summer, I actually it was a fashion week so I it was it was Paris it came out it was June when we were in Paris and I had it on my headphones and I the whole time I was away for that week I listened to it every single day and absolutely loved it I was really it was it was hot it was you know great to be away it was the end of a season really embraced it as you tail off from the the desire to be connected to the project and you see what sticks with you I have realized there is probably 50% of the album that I don't really listen to. There's some real highlights like you said there's beautiful songs. You know I think Crave is great. I really like Looking for Mercy. A great memory I have is the being in the club for the DJ Honey uh Honey Dijon gig in LA that where I saw Madonna and they played she played Vogue going into I Don't Search I Find. And that is such a moment. Of course, the energy was amazing. And I think that is a brilliant song as well. But in some of the experimentation, I don't really understand it.
0: So let's look at the singles and the, the, you know, individually then. I mean, starting with Medellin. I loved the campaign that launched that with just the sort of one, two, cha, cha, cha. And I love the video. I think it's a really fantastic video. Jonathan, you probably know more about the video than I could ever possibly begin to talk about well you're setting me up for failure here because i don't
2: have a huge <laughs> amount to share about the video i mean i could uh, tell you some of the the top liner notes of who directed it which was diana kunst um But I think, you know, the real strength of it is that they also had an artist on board, which was Mao Morgo, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, apologies. And so this idea, again, of Madonna having a knowledge of art, a love of art. So you really get this influence, I guess, you know, the obvious being Frida Kahlo coming into that video too. Leonora Carrington is also a reference point. And for me, of course, it's color. The color Mm. in this video is exquisite and the richness. I also like the narrative element which in music videos today is so lost they prioritize quick cuts to bring sort of artificial energy and i and i love that there is an arc here with the especially as you bring in the equestrian element and and all that and also you know i say this probably every episode madonna looks beautiful i love (laughs) the wig i i i like the face you're not agreeing so much peter but but i feel especially in the white dress look the the wedding Mm. look scene i love that
3: she looks beautiful, but I, as a gay man, know that it, that is a hard wig line. So...
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's not a lace front. I like a lace front. Um, <laughs> it, I, I refer to it as the Hilary DeVay. Rest in peace, Hilary. When, when it's the dark one it, and it's so harsh, I, I didn't... I agree with you. I love the blonde. Well, we all love Madonna when she's blonde, but um, yeah, the, as, as a video, I think it's beautiful and I love the the richness and I do love the flashback to the wedding dress again. So there's a little touch of an old bit of Madonna there, that I definitely can get on board with and oh, we haven't Maluma. Like, that's a joy in itself. (laughs) You can't go wrong there.
2: What I will say is, as a creative, and of course, Peter, and in fact, Edward, you also know this, having worked on music videos, a bugbear is continuity. If you look at the scene where she's the teacher at the beginning, there's continuity errors. So the hair is slightly different, the eye patch is slightly different, the tie is slightly different. They've cut it all up and it's interchanged and and I can't not see it just because I'm, you know, looking for
0: the detail always. Let's talk about that eye patch. Do you think Madonna regretted making that her look for the entire video? I
2: think she did make some jokes in interviews of how she was, you know, starting to get weak in one eye because it was being covered too much. The eye patch, I didn't have so much dislike for it that I saw online. However, what I will say is I love richness and diversity and some of the the quite simplistic messaging or very obvious repetitive elements, and this as well could be could be taken in through the tour of the beautiful James Baldwin quote, which I heard three hundred and seventy five <laughs> times in one hour. <laughs> I like a little bit more variety. I would say, yeah,
0: yeah. God control video. Now I had a problem with this because I like the song. I I feel the message is really important, and I love many elements of the video. For me, the editing of the song and the amount of violence in the video and how those two sat side by side. And this is probably intentional, made it a difficult watch for me. And I don't mean as in the, the message was, was difficult because obviously it is, and we're very aware of that. I just don't find it a very cohesive watch and that's a shame.
3: The videographer in me thinks I know the answer to this because I think I feel the same way. We have a narrative that we want to watch and we're shown the bad that- we're showing the bad bit first and then the good bit. So it's very hard to watch the good bit knowing that the bad bit's already happened. Hmm. So it's a bit of a Tarantino effect, but it doesn't work in this context because it's only seven minutes. So being able to see, like uh, musically, we've heard her do it before. So the, the, the segue from Dear Jesse into Oh Father, you go from the joyous into the melancholy. I think it, Handled that way round. If the song had been put that way round, I think the video would have worked. But because the discussion about gun violence is at the front, it makes the video back to front. It's very hard to disassociate from that. So, and as much as I love the God control part of the song, I don't love the intro. And I think we're back to the thing that mentioned earlier about putting herself into a narrative that maybe she doesn't have the right to be in. So I know that for Emma Gonzalez, she had huge complaints about it because she borrowed her speech in I rise and didn't ask permission for that. And then also Emma complained that it wasn't appropriate for it not to be put out there with a warning because it was so close to Parkland shooting and was then referencing Paul's nightclub. So I understand that Madonna has skin in the game as an American woman. And as somebody who supports gay people and has children in American schools. But it was a difficult watch because I'm not sure that she got the narrative arc right or was respectful enough of the subject matter. It somehow fell down in the middle, which it it's a beautiful video, but it just doesn't work cohesively. There's probably like a little bit of lost in communication. We we don't have the problems that they have in America. We have a whole boat of our own load but we do not have the problem with guns so for us it's very hard to maybe put yourself in that position it's 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 an alien concept to us because we we lock down on all of our
0: laws Jonathan?
2: I've,
0: go on yeah i do
2: agree with with most of what you said, I mean, what I feel, especially the controversy and her talking points, what I would like to do is invite you, Peter and Edwards, to join me on the third episode of Jonathan's parallel universe discussion, where (laughs) we think about a world in which Madonna releases Frozen. And in the video, she has icicles hanging from her, or let's say Bad Girl, where she's put in prison. I struggle with a lack of nuance and Mm -hmm. I love layers. Mm. where you can reflect and my biggest struggle with this video is it's there is nothing other than what it says on the tin, Mm -mm. and I don't need to be spoon fed. I understand what's going on here and the struggle that Madonna has and Madonna fans is that her highs are so incredibly high Mm. and we compare those highs to everything she does. And no one is going to repeat a constant career of our favorite moments. And we all have different favorite moments. I'm prefacing this because what I'm about to say is when you hear she's working with Jonas Ackerland, when you see a reference to deeper and deeper music video, let's say, I find it hard to remove myself from acknowledging all these great moments she's had and Mm -hmm. projecting that onto the, the, the artwork I'm watching. And for me, the music video does not live up to all of those things that I just I
3: think we were so close to like the Beyonce visual album. I think that's where I get frustrated because the, the visuals do really help me get into it. So like "Dark Ballet" as a song on the album, I don't really enjoy, but I do enjoy it as a video. So <laughs> the storytelling and the quirkiness and the clever, the cleverness of that story I fully engage with. So It's interesting though, the guy who directed the Crave video, the Tuca one, he was the director for a lot of the Beyonce visual album. So we were so close to it. And I think it this album did really lend itself to that because we got a very strange video for I rise, which was based on like the news footage that she did with time magazine. So it, I see visually that it could have been this magnum opus. But it, it sort of fell down into this middle ground where it wasn't one or the other, like she gave us a gateway into some of them. So some of the more difficult tracks needed a video. So I agree. Like the Joan of Arc one. Mickey Blanco being in it makes it really poignant and clever. I just think there could have been, if she'd have spun it out that bit further, we might've, I, I would then have been able to salute it as a piece of art. I sit in this middle ground where I don't love it as a Madonna album and I'm not fully fulfilled as somebody who understands what she was trying to teach me. I think if we'd had an entire journey that was visual, I might have been able to get on board with it more. I'm not dancing to it and I'm not enjoying watching it. So it's this weird bit in the middle that I sort of feel unfulfilled really.
2: So my sense of what this project was about is that Madonna really tried working with a lot of new, interesting young people. And of course, if you have someone in their twenties or thirties working with Madonna, who's had this incredible career, you're going to get a power dynamic where Madonna's word is the final one. We're not going to get a story like Mario Testino and Madonna, they're the same age where Mario ends up winning and getting her to do some more shots. And so if you look at the director's cut of Dark Ballet, Emmanuel Adjaye is the director, I think it's so much stronger. I, it's, wh- it's far more balanced. It, it feels like uh, cinematic, whereas the cut that was the main edit, I did like it when it came out. It is a really interesting video, but it's it hasn't got the strength and it feels a bit scatterbrained. And I can imagine it's Madonna saying, I want it this way. And she is a genius on so many levels, but she has been genius-like in balancing and taking on other people's creativity combined with her own to create something perfect. And I feel with this project, maybe she didn't listen as much to people's skill levels or expertise. So further reading from you, Jonathan. I feel I'm so, I'm so focused on, um, being, uh, giving fair a fair estimation and i and i feel like i've maybe been a little harsh on this as i said i have enjoyed this project but i will go into further reading further reading there are many great photo shoots that came out around this time firstly the most obvious one especially for me being in the uk was the british vogue cover story which came out in june 2019 it was shot by our old friends merton marcus who of course we discussed in the last couple of episodes who shot rebel heart and mdma color covers and It is Madonna sort of showing this other facet of Madame X. It's not explicitly stated in the article, but we've got her in a dark wig. She sort of seems like she is a muse to a painter, a fictionalized writer. And so the story continues through this editorial. I quite like that. My favorite cover story from this time period, in fact, was with the New York Times. It was the June 2019 issue as well, which was headlined as Madonna at 60. And it was that cover where she's peering through the slice of that old image and there's a really nice quote from kathy ryan who is an icon in the photography world she is the director of photography at the new york times and she wrote for our cover story about madonna at 60 the french artist jr photographed the pop icon interacting with famous photographs of her younger self J.R. printed the images by her Brits, Kate Simon and Stephen Mizell at enormous sizes and Madonna started playing with them. For the cover, we liked an image of her peering through a slit cut into the eye of an enlarged detail portrait by Mizell. It seemed to be an underscore of the savvy ways in which Madonna has built her image over the decades. The silver tone emphasizes the surreal juxtaposition of the current Madonna in color peering through a classic black and white portrait of her earlier self. <laughs> And I just quite like that uh, mm. description of an image. I have a couple more, which I'll quickly rattle through. One is, of course, the Madame X Tour booklet. And I think it's important to note here that Ricardo Gomez shot a lot of the artwork. It also features the Stephen Klein artwork, of course, but Ricardo is all of the images, basically, that we see on Madonna's Instagram feed. So it really is the visual representation of how she wants to be perceived today. As I mentioned at the start of the episode, or the start of my description of the artwork, Madonna by Stephen Klein for V Magazine was a controversial outing for them both. They were paying homage to the glamour and tragedy of Marilyn Monroe. It was it was inspired by Burt Stern's The Last Sitting of Marilyn Monroe, and she had sat for him just before her death. The photographer who shot this, Stephen Klein, gave a quote, which I will read also. This photo essay was inspired by a shoot that Marilyn Monroe did with Bert Stern. They shot in the Bel Air Hotel in 1962 before she passed away, and what was supposed to be a three-hour sitting turned into a three-day whirlwind working night and day, drinking, laughing, shooting photos, editing, sleeping, and then taking more photos, a private affair between two artists, which rarely happens anymore. We're not interested in recreating the images exactly, but more importantly, we want to explore the relationship between photographer and subject both the friendship and the artistic process and how art can imitate life and vice versa. When I sent Madonna the photos, she was really taken by the incandescently fragile Marilyn at that moment in her life. And we decided to find a hotel suite and capture the liaison between a star, the camera, the mystery and the magic of the creative collaboration. We hope we've done it justice. I don't think I need to say much more. All you have to do is Google the response to these images to see how people reacted. But again, as you said, Edward, Madonna likes controversy. And we were talking about Madonna (laughs) in this time. And finally, I just want to point people in the direction of an interview from this time. It was with Vanity Fair Italy with Simone Marcelli, who's the editor of uh, Vanity Fair Italia. And for me, it's not only one of the best interviews from this period, it's one of the best interviews of Madonna in recent times. He sort of provokes her in the best possible way and matches her intellect with really brilliant questions. And you can see how she warms up and opens up so beautifully throughout the interview. So that's definitely worth searching. Peter,
3: anything from you? Mine is a little bit shorter and sweeter. The Madame X box set, which was very elaborate. There's a few very generous people who've documented that online. I would search that out as being able to like really enjoy like the full spectrum of it. I know I said at the beginning that it's quite disjointed. At least the box set does quite a good job of bringing everything together. So it sort of makes a lot more sense of the three graphic narratives that run through it. And then again, you see way more of like the photography that Jonathan talks about. Cause in isolation, I don't feel they make much sense, but when you see them in the box set and it becomes like more of a a theatrical presentation, it's um, way more impactful. And the other thing that i will leave you with that is more of a, a wondering than further reading if anyone else can add to it i do think that she dropped a few breadcrumbs in this album so two being that i can spot and i would love to know if other people have found more the heart is a lonely hunter is what she writes on the note in the crave video and that's a lyric from love try to, welcome, to, me to back. welcome me yeah and then In the middle of dark ballet, you hear the lyric, I want to tell you about love, which is from Forbidden Love. There's also the Rose Royce sample that's used again of Love Don't Live Here Anymore. And then there's the finger snap from Vogue. So I think there's more that I've not found, but I'd love to know if anyone else has found.
0: Well, Well, crazy, she says something about like a prayer. Yes, um, that feels a bit on the nose. I'm, I think the little, really subtle ones that you just mentioned. There's
3: another one that I can't, maybe a guy out there can help me. There's something on the way that she finishes the spoken word bit on, I don't search, I find, she says the end, and I know that I've heard it. I know it's in another dance track and I just can't nail which one it's from. So it's the sentence halfway through and she's something, 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 at the end, and it's almost identical in my brain. I want to start singing something else. But I'm sure there's more. I think I think there are a lot more references that I've never got, but I'd love to know if anyone else has spotted any.
0: Do you know what? We've talked, we spent, oh gosh, best part of the last year almost, talking about Madonna's album artworks. And we've started obviously with the first one, going right up to Madame X. And I think what's really clear about every single one of them, and thank you both for introducing me to this, is just how rich they are. Every single album has got a huge story behind the art and, and, you know, just discussing that with Madame X now, whatever you think of the music as a project, it's really interesting. You might not sit down and play it on a Saturday night before you have a few drinks and and go out. But we're we're really lucky with her as an artist that she pays as much attention to the packaging as the, the, the product itself, which of course is probably quite pertinent thing to say about her career. I don't know what you think
2: i agree and as much as we critique it you know we're doing it because we love it and i have thoroughly enjoyed going back through all of my versions of this album and seeing someone who is reflective introspective and curious about the world you know she's a curious person and i really value that in people and the artists that i admire
3: i think that's why i have utter faith in her directing the film i see a lot of we've discussed it online haven't we See a lot of controversy, but the woman's attention to detail and visual panache cannot be questioned. And I think her hand, since probably about like a virgin, Mm -hmm. she's been the guiding tiller on that. So I know visually anything that she does when it's in her hands. I just don't, same as you always said about the music, she doesn't get the credit, but I think all along it's been her, her story to tell.
0: So I'd like to invite you both back, in a short while from now we'll have a new Madonna album, albeit a compilation, Finally Enough Love, and I'd like to wait until the August release of of the Fuller box set with the artwork so that we can discuss that because obviously we've seen images online but I think once we can get our hands on the actual uh, item itself we'll have more to say. And of course, as discussed in the last episode, we're going to get back together at the beginning of December to do another live event and who knows maybe we'll do something else at some point (laughs) but thanks thanks for this wonderful journey since september going through all the and bye for now So, we've reached the end of the current series of Inside the Groove, and I'm sure you'll be pleased to know that I'll be back in August with a further series, this time concentrating just on the music, and it's going to include big songs such as Frozen and Like a Prayer, taking us up to a grand finale in London on 3rd December 2022, as we celebrate 40 years since everybody was released in the UK. Details of how you can buy tickets will be announced in the coming weeks on social media, and stay tuned for that episode on Frozen, where you get the full details of what to expect Now Madame X may be Madonna's most recent studio album but on 24th of June we had the first instalment of a new greatest hits collection the second part of which comes just after Madonna's birthday on the 20th of August I'll be inviting Jonathan and Peter back to discuss that release possibly with some extra guests too it's called Finally Enough Love. The title comes from the song I Don't Search, I Find, which opens with those words. And I'm gonna play you out with the brilliant Honey Dijon mix of that song. I really hope that Madonna does some work with Honey Dijon because I think their, their sound is just great and Madonna would be really well suited to it. Now, don't worry that you have to go without Inside the Groove. I've remixed and revisited some classic episodes which will be dropping every week of July. And if you can't wait that long, patrons get to hear them all in one chuck. So I'll be speaking to you soon. Until the next time, be good and be happy.